You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. What's up, Warriors fans? Recording this after the dubs went down. Pretty ugly one in Phoenix on Thursday, losing 114-93. This is the Collaborative Warriors podcast. I'm Jazz. That's Brady. Brady, it's a f- rainy Friday in Los Angeles. We're not used to this. How are you feeling today? I'm loving the rain, I'll be honest. I mean, we're, we're all stuck inside, so it's, it's, if, it's, if we're going to be stuck in here, might as well not have the weather that makes me wish I, I were outside. That's true, uh, actually, but, yeah. <laughs> and it's kind of, you know, washing off, it's symbolic, it's washing off that pretty ugly game, which was not only an ugly loss, but it was just not a fun game. I thought it was, it was just bad. All well, around. I mean, they were, they were hanging in there until halftime, right? I believe it was a five point game at, at, at half. And then the wheels just kind of started coming off the bus. And if you're looking at this, I mean, we're just past the quarter pole of the season. Now 72 game season, the Warriors are sitting at 10 and nine. Um, you know, when, when you're looking at them as a whole, because for me, and don't get me wrong, I know this is going to cry like I'm crying over spilt milk, but I'll be honest with you. I'm like, man, if they had Clay Thompson, like they would be literally right there. I, I would still put them maybe a notch below the Lakers and the Clippers, but that's not to say that the Dubs wouldn't have a chance to beat them in the playoffs if they had Clay. And even, you know, we don't know what's going to happen between now and the trade deadline. Guys are going to get bought out. You know, they're, they're going to, there's going to be some movement. So they could have made some moves. But overall, when you're looking at the 19 games into the season, what are some of your first thoughts that they're doing well? And maybe what else do they need to work on? Well, for me, like the, the first thing I jump to with this team is that they've been a team of kind of extremes. You know, their, their record is very mediocre. You know, they're 10 and nine. They, they read like an average team, but they haven't played like an average team. They've played either like a comfortably above average team or a comfortably below average team. I think Steph Curry said um, in his presser yesterday, he said, you know, we've lost nine games and I think we got blitzed in eight of those nine games. And that's been the case. But on the other hand, a lot of their wins have looked really good. They obviously have wins over, you know, the Lakers, the Clippers. There have been some high quality wins in there and some and some comfortable wins. So it's kind of been they haven't really found the middle of the road. They've just been either pretty good or really bad. And as kind of frustrating as that is, you know, to watch and especially for fans, I think to me, there's some some optimism to take away from that because you knew there were going to be the struggles. You knew there were going to be the bad results, but you expect them to be better than this. So if they're showing the glimpses of being pretty good, in my opinion, you know, that gives you some optimism to hang your hat on because it looks like, well, this is what you can be once you all get more comfortable in the system and once everyone gets a little bit more familiar. So that's kind of been the thing that I think they're they're doing the best, honestly, is that they're still winning games despite the fact that they just don't look ready they they look like a team that had a short preseason that wasn't in the bubble that has a ton of roster turnover that had two of their key players miss the truncated training camp because they had the coronavirus truthfully players just don't look like they're comfortable with the system they don't know what they're doing they don't know the right reads offense and defense they don't know the right plays and that's to me that's what they've done poorly and that's what they've done well because um it's the reason why they've looked so bad a lot of the time and it's also a reason to think that they can be a lot better 
in the coming months. Well, let me ask you this though, because when you're when you're looking at and and everybody was was talking about this, it's not something that is you know groundbreaking. When I'm like the second unit was going to be an issue, and 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 we saw that coming into the season, and it was kind of like okay, they're hoping. You know, I think Eric Pascal's had a good start. Um, you know, and he's only a second year guy, but then you know, I think when you're looking at it, it's like Steve Kerr's relying on, and no disrespect to these guys, but you're relying on Damian Lee, Michael Mulder, you know, Brad Wanamaker to come in and be able to carry the load offensively. And, I, and I've seen that. That's one thing I've been trying to pay attention to, you know, when I'm watching every game is how are they doing when Steph's on the court? How are they doing when Steph's off the court? Now, the underlying numbers show that, hey, you know, there's not too much of a difference, although offensively, I think they're about eight points better per 100 possessions with Steph on the court. But when you're, when you're looking at how how the roster is constructed. Like, let's just say hypothetically clay was healthy. Uh, we don't know what that would mean in terms of would the Suns have been willing to give up Kelly Oubre for really virtually next to nothing, you know, at the, at the 14, just over 14 million he's making in the final year of his deal or, or, or would they not have, you know, that might've been an issue, but I think clay obviously would have been able to maybe stabilize that unit a bit more. Um, wh- where do you think they really need to upgrade in terms of the bench? Cause I, I think that's where for me, it's like there's sometimes where you're looking at it, they're up, you know, in the games that they won, especially they're up by, you know, eight, nine, 10. When Curry's on the court, he, you know, he goes off to start the second quarter, he gets that six minute break. And the next thing you know, it's a five, six point game. So, where, you know, like, and I'm, I, that's where the inconsistency to me is coming in, especially on the offensive end. But when you're looking at what, what do you think there's one area that the bench unit really needs to improve on? Or is there a specific position? Yeah. I, I mean, I think you hit the nail on the head first off by bringing up clay because, you know, we all know the way the Warriors used to stagger those lineups was to get Clay on the court for those first six minutes of the second quarter when Curry's on the bench and it gives you that weapon. Even though Clay is not really an isolation scorer, he's still he has so much gravity, so so much danger as a shooter that he really changes an offense entirely just by being out there. And you really see how much that is missing because you know as well as as Pascal has done in in his run as the kind of go-to guy as a small ball five they just don't have a go-to scorer. And so when, when you put that lineup out there, you know, every, every possession, I'm looking at them thinking, where are the points going to come from? Who, who can get you the bucket here? And Pascal has been up to that challenge on, on many nights and they have some decent shooters like Damian Lee and Michael Mulder who, you know, can do well if they're put in the right opportunity, but they're not guys who are going to go get you that bucket. So in my eyes, the thing that's really missing is just a pure, bench score a guy like a Lou Williams a Montrez Harrell you know the top teams have those kinds of guys that you put them on the bench and you know hey if the shot clock gets down to 10 just give this guy the ball he'll go he'll go do something and you know they're going to get that back next year and play a little bit even though again he's not that traditional um, role there but just having an offensive weapon because right now they have a lot of of decent role players on the bench squad I, I like the bench for that reason but it's missing a focal point. Um, and that's something that I think even with getting clay back, I think they need to address that. Um, I know there's been some talk of re-signing Kelly Uber Jr. and having him in that bench role, but even if he is the sixth man, he's still not that guy. Uh, and I think they need, they need someone unless they're, you know, able to, to get some Sean Livingston and Andre Iguodala types who just play so well and so smartly that it opens up the floor for everyone. But I don't see any path to getting those types of players. So I think you need, an impact offensive player. I was going to say then they need a guy like Brady from SB Nation, which is, hey, you can come in and do Mr. Everything, right? He's the offensive weapon. He's going to be able to put it all together. So that's what they need. But I'm with you. I mean, you know, we saw how bad Uber was, especially in December. I mean, what was he shooting like? 
10% or something from the three point line. Um, he's, you know, his, his net rating is uh, amongst the guys who actually play, you know, significant minutes is, is by far the worst. I mean, I think he's sitting at uh, minus 8.1 points per hundred possessions. And, and a lot of that is, is like you're mentioning and Kerr is still trying to figure that out, right? Like we saw him be like, okay, let's roll with uh, Curry and Wiggins for the first 12. And then we'll go, we'll give Ubre that chance or uh, Curry and, and Ubre, And then we'll roll with Wiggins again. I don't think that's Wiggins game either. He needs somebody feeding him the ball in order for him to be at his best. And then they tried Ubre, and that's not working as well. So, you know, we, we saw the rumors and again, these are just, it's just potential. Like it just really early talks, not, that they've been in, involved in, in deep discussion, but the Pelicans, you know, kick the tires on, on Ubre and look at a potential package. Like maybe you do get JJ Redick and, and Lonzo ball back. Both guys um, Lonzo's up for restricted free agency, whereas uh, Redick would be up for uh, unrestricted free agency at the end of the season, but they both bring a dynamic. The Warriors would need. Is that something you would explore if you were Bob Myers, or do you think that's just a lateral step or, or how do you think the Warriors would do if they got that as a package? Yeah, I think, to be honest, it kind of depends on where Joe Lacob's head is at. Because to me, the most valuable thing about Kelly Oubre right now is that they acquired him with, with the traded player exception. It allowed them to spend, you know, eight figures on a guy when they were already above the cap and could only otherwise hand out minimum contracts. So, you know, in my opinion, it, the whole focus of him is that you're allowed to spend more money, which when it's taxed at the way the Warriors is, comes out to, you know, tens of millions of dollars for Joe Lacob just for what essentially amounts to a bench player going forward. So to me, I see it as, are you willing to keep making those, those kind of moves going forward? Because if so, you don't want to lose this contract, this ability to spend that much money, because if they just let Kelly, if they decide that Kelly Oubre isn't, doesn't fit with the team and it sure looks like he doesn't fit with the team and you let him walk in free agency, well, you've just lost that opportunity to spend that much money on a player. If you're able to turn him around for J.J. Redick and Alonzo Ball and you're willing to keep spending going forward and then you acquire, you know, their bird rights and whatnot and you have that path to keep spending money, then I think it's good just for that reason alone. You get the best players you can. You get them in the house. You evaluate the fit later. It's better than just letting Ubre walk and losing, losing that spending opportunity. As for if they're actually a good fit, I mean... I would love JJ Redick on the Warriors. I think I think the blip he's having this year, he's having a, a pretty bad year. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's likely to be an outlier. I don't think you know a player of his shooting caliber just kind of forgets how to shoot well. <laughs> you know his track record is <laughs> yeah. pretty pretty darn good. I don't I don't think we need to worry about that. And I think you know you play him next to Steph and have that gravity, and you play him in the second unit next to Clay, and you have that gravity next year. Um, you know, I think that's a weapon that really the Warriors have never had, even in the dynasty. We talk about them being a great shooting team. That shooting's always been Steph and Clay and KD. They've never had good bench shooters. They've never yeah, had pretty hard not to be a good shooting team when you have those three on the exactly, roster. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> but it's always been top heavy. You know, they've never been this team like, you know, say a Nuggets team that just is firing threes through the first eight spots on their roster or whatever. So uh it would be an interesting dynamic. I think I think they could do a lot worse than those kinds of players if that opportunity were on the table. Yeah. I think that's, that, that's where they're going to have to figure that out. You know, and that's with Myers. I mean, if if this, if the experiment isn't working and we're getting towards a trade deadline and you're looking at your team as, as potentially, you know, let's just say a 
36 and 36 team because that's what they're they're hovering around. They look like that they're going to be a 500 squad the rest of the way, and you can get some future assets for them, whether that's a first round pick or a, you know and a it's going to be heavily protected first round pick. But again, that's something you can relay to to another squad because uh, I think one thing with that Minnesota pick they got now. It's like that's looking like it's going to be on the right on the borderline. It's top three protected in, in you know for this year's draft, but next year it goes to unprotected, which and and the 2022 draft has been kind of the the focus of of the NBA world because the the one and done deal, the rule is going to be finished. So you're going to basically they're calling it a double draft. You're going to get some of the best high school players. You're going to get some of the best college freshmen. So I think that's something that right now I'm looking and I was hopeful coming into the season that hey. Uh, these guys are going to be able to maybe fight for a four or five seed. Again, they were, they were always going to be a notch below the, the highest tier in the Western conference. But I was looking at it like, okay, if things go really, really well and through, you know, like I said, 19 games, they're just kind of, meh, you know, they're there. But, and, and like you mentioned, like that Lakers game, when they came back through that third quarter, obviously Steph was, was Superman again, but you look at the third and fourth quarter, you're like, man, these guys, you know, if they, they can, get, they can give these guys a run for the money and, and they're playing with some of these upper echelon teams. Um, but I also look at it like with Ubre, that's going to be something that Myers is, is going to have to play by ear. There's no way you can look at it and say, we're committed to signing this guy to a three, four year deal after this, or we're going to walk away from him right now. There's just been too many inconsistencies. I think they know what they're getting in Ubre. But again, if you're looking at building this team for next season and you know, what, what is the Warriors championship contender, you know, window at this point? Um, we know it's not happening yeah. this year and maybe after, after this, you're going to have another, maybe three, four years with Steph and Draymond and, and, and clay, the focus of the offense. So w- when you're looking at this, do you think it's better to look at next season already, or do you think they should be looking at, all right, let's try and get things right right now. And, and if we can maybe win around in the playoffs. I think, I think they do need to balance it a little bit. Um, I, I lean a little bit more towards maximizing championship windows over, maximizing short-term results. Uh, that's just me. I feel like, you know, the, the goal is to win a championship. So if you can't win a championship, focus on when you can. Um, but I do NBA, think that, the NBA team should be hiring you as a GM. That's like the easy, <laughs> and that's, that's it. Cause I agree with you hundred percent. And a lot hey, of if someone don't wants to throw to me 5 million to uh, try to win a championship. I'm yeah, you'll settle for 250,000. You'll settle for 250,000. <laughs> I take yeah. 250,000. Yeah. yeah, why not? That'll, that'll work. <laughs> but, you know, I think with the Warriors, it's kind of an interesting case because I, I, I don't think those things are as um, opposed as they are for a lot of other teams. I think, you know, I think there's, there's, some, there's a lot of overlap between trying to win this year and trying to win in the future. And, um, you know, some of it is just playing players and seeing what they can do. With Kelly Oubre Jr., I think you know, he's been in the league for a few years. Everyone knows what he's capable of. Everyone knows what his talent set is, what he's good at, what he's bad at. The question for the Warriors is, can he figure out the system? Can he play in the motion offense? Because we've seen so many players get signed or traded to the Warriors, and they just can't, they can't do it. They can't keep up with the pace of the offense. They can't keep up with the decision-making. They can't make the right decisions. It's a I don't want to say it's a complex system, but it's it's more intricate than the average NBA system. And a lot of players simply can't do it. And conversely, we've seen a lot of players come to the Warriors who excel in the system and they look like much better players than they did before. Um, obviously, right now, it certainly looks like Ubre just can't work in the system. But 
I would assume that the Warriors have a better idea of that based on, you know, what's going on in practice, what's going on in film sessions, shoot arounds and whatnot. I'm guessing they have an idea as to whether they think this just isn't going to work or they think, Hey, he just needs some time. He's going to get comfortable in the system. And then we're going to start seeing him playing better. So well, playing guys like that, you know, that's kind of, it's short-term and it's long-term, you know? I was gonna, I was gonna say if, if if he's not fitting the system, I'm pretty sure Draymond has already let not only Steve Kerr, Bob Myers, Joe Lacob, and everybody else know, like you know what, it's time to to, to move on from this. You know what Absolutely. I mean? Absolutely, that's what I, mean, I feel like we're seeing, right? And yeah, Draymond's getting frustrated now with some of the guys as well. He's getting frustrated, and we heard that last year. You know, there were reports after the the D'Lo for Wiggins trade that you know that Draymond had kind of let it be known in training camp that it wasn't going to work out with D'Angelo Russell. And so, you know, I'm sure we've seen that with, with Ubre and with Wiggins, um, you know, it, it bears noting from the press conferences I've sat in on that, you know, Draymond is incredibly effusive in his praise of James Wiseman. Um, he, he is all aboard the Wiseman train in a way that he does not spout, um, you know, compliments if a player doesn't deserve them um probably haven't haven't seen that for uber quite the same way so yeah i would assume dre kerr bob myers they're probably all on somewhat of the same page and they probably i would assume they know by now whether they're intending to move forward with uber or not yeah, and, and I think it's going to be up to him to show, because he said before the season, you know, once the trade happens, he's like, I want to be a warrior for life. It's like, well, dude, you got to shoot a lot better than 14% from the three-point line if you want to be playing next to Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, and Draymond Green. Uh, let's wrap up on this, because you did mention how how Dre's been high on, on Wiseman. Um, you know, so far, he's offensively having a very good rookie year, 12.2 points, 5.9 rebounds per game, uh, getting up there in blocks at 1.4 blocks a game, surprisingly behind Andrew Wiggins. What, what have you made, what have you made from him, uh, made out of him, part of me in terms of what he, what he's looking like and what his ceiling is going to be? Because when I watch him play, uh, he's an animal around the rim. I mean, you could throw up anything. The guy's his catch radius is ridiculous. He's going to dunk anything you lob to him up there. Um, his shooting stroke has been better than expected. You know, he's, he's shooting yeah. the ball well, and there's we've had, you know seen him comfortably go out to the three point line and 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 take him and not hesitating at all in terms of pulling the trigger. But defensively, he still needs some work in terms of positioning, like you know flattening out and making sure he knows where both his guys and the and and the ball is. Like he, he turns his back to the play a lot, and I just think getting stronger. I think when that when that happens, he's going to be more of a force. But overall, how would you rate the first 19 games of his career? I'd rate them pretty highly, to be honest. Um, you know, I agree with everything you said. I, I think there there's been a lot of good stuff to look at. And and with a rookie, you just you don't expect them to play well. You know, you, you expect that you hope that they're going to show things, but you don't really expect them to actually contribute to winning games. Even if you go back to a LeBron James or a Steph Curry, great rookie seasons. I don't think they really helped their teams win. They just made it clear that they're going to be good players going forward. So that's kind of what you're hoping for with Wiseman. And I think there's been a lot more to be excited about than to be worried about. Um, I think he's shown that his offensive ceiling is, is just off the charts. I mean, if you're seven, one, a freak athlete, you're comfortable um, with the ball in transition. You know, we've seen him do the Giannis coast to coast thing on numerous occasions. If you're comfortable doing that and you're comfortable setting screens and rolling to the rim and you're comfortable shooting threes, the sky's the limit for you as an offensive player. I still have questions about, um, about his hands. I have questions about his willingness to always be aggressive offensively. I think we've seen him move away from the basket when he should be moving towards it sometimes, but 
to me, you take all of that and you package it inside a 19 year old who, like you said, will get stronger. And to me, there's just, there's no limit on how good of an offensive player he can be defensively. You know, he hasn't been great. I don't think, but to me, the biggest thing is to there's been an improvement in, in the last nine games, as opposed to the first 10, he's, he's already showing that he can get better defensively. Uh, he's pretty clearly listening to Draymond Green. Um, the coaching staff, you know, Steve Kerr has just been praising him up one side and down the other for always asking questions, always wanting to learn, always being in the film room. So he's clearly dedicated to being a better defensive player. Um, I just think at, at this age and this inexperience level, it's impossible to know how good a player can be defensively in the NBA. It's just such a different game. Um, he's got the tools, I think, to be pretty good. But until we see it, you know, there are so few defensive players. There are so few centers that are actually good defenders in the modern NBA um, with the way things are played that I don't think you can assume that anyone's going to actually achieve their potential on that end. But, you know, I don't see any reason why he can't be a good defensive player. Yeah, I think he's, his, his game is going to excel at being a rim protector, coming over and help side and, and, and blocking shots. And, and like you mentioned, like in today's NBA, every center, it looks like a liability, right? Because they just like Always. seven foot ones because it's hard to off the switches and, and you're having, you know, on the pick and roll and you're having to guard James Harden on the perimeter. It's going to it's a tough ask for anyone. And I agree with you. I think he's, he's still learning the game. And like we said, we don't need Woj. We don't need Shams. We got our own Warriors insider, which is Draymond Green, who is always going to be able to tell us what's going on. And I agree with you that if he seems like he's loving what Wiseman has done and, you know, he got on him, he got that, he got kicked out of that game. Um, he got the technical, I think it was against the Knicks where he was yelling at Wiseman and, and, you know, and even Wiseman after the game, he's like, oh, you know, that's just a part of the game. So I think he has the right attitude. I think he has the, all the ability in the world you're looking for. Do I think he's ever going to develop into an MVP candidate? I don't think so based off what I've seen right now, but again, that can change. He's still a 19 year old, like you mentioned, but I think you're looking at him and saying, okay, if this guy can develop into an 18 and 10, 18 and 11 type player, which I, I think he can surpass that. I think that's a huge win for the Warriors going forward. And, and I, you know, when you're looking at how this team's going to build for the future, again, this is going to be on Myers and, and the management squad. Um, you know, it, with the, with the dubs is okay. Do we want to keep this, keep this Minnesota pick if it lands at number four this year, depending on what our options are to get another young guy that might not get the run with, with Steph and clay on the, on the court and Andrew Wiggins. I mean, that, again, like you mentioned, the tax bill is going to be through the roof, but Joe Lacob has a lot more money. He can probably live 50 lifetimes off of what he has right now. In Very his true. <laughs> so, um, or do they want to say, okay, let's take this pick. We got our own first round pick and let's package that to get another player. And, and so I think that, but they, they feel very confident that Wiseman is going to be the center, not, you know, just for the short term, but 10, 15 years down the road. Yeah, I think so. They, they've, they keep saying that and you don't normally hear, you know, teams say that uh, unless you're talking about like a, a consensus number one draft pick, you don't normally hear people in the team say, yeah, this is going to be our, our starting center. But, you know, Steve Kerr has said that many times already this year. He said, you know, when, when he moved Wiseman out of the starting lineup for Kevon Looney, he said, you know, this is a temporary thing. James is going to be our starting center for many, many years to come. Um, they're clearly confident in him. Um, that said, you know, having options is, is the best thing that you can have as a general manager, as an organization. Um, and so he's worked himself into a great asset. Like you said, a lot of interesting um, trade assets coming in with the mini pick. 
who knows who's going to be available? Who knows who, what star player might try to force their way to a good situation the way we've seen so many times in the last few years. Um, the Warriors are at some level starting to stockpile a few assets and whether they hold on to them, trade all of them, trade some of them, who knows, but having assets is, is the best thing you can ask for. Can we get some NBA GMs on the phone, giving Brady some interviews here? Like, I mean, come on, some franchises got the owners, get this guy in there, right? Assistant GM, start you off. Next thing you know, you'll be running the Warriors or at this rate, the Sacramento Kings in about three or four seasons, right, Brady? So that's- You're, you're going to be my agent for all this, <laughs> yeah. Jazz. There you go. I, was, I, I, don't, I don't want a 3%. I want a 20% commission if we get if we get you up that's there. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> you're, you're, you're talking me up. So, you know, you, you deserve a big commission. I do a good job of it. Now, the question is, what am I saying behind your back? Now, that remains to be seen for, for another you know. maybe, maybe I go under a pseudonym on, on Golden State of Mind, which is where you can watch this show and, and, and kind of bash you a couple times, but we'll see. <laughs> that does it. You know what, guys? This is our first episode. We're doing this together, uh, launching it. Like I said, you're going to catch us on Golden State of Mind. We'll also have it up on YouTube, and we'll do the audio portion. You can check us out on uh, iTunes and Spotify. Again, this is a collaborative Warriors podcast. You can check us out each week. He's Brady. I'm Jazz, and we'll talk to you all next time.